Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 84 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Noble. Todd and Peter are here with me today. Episode 84, the Javon Walker episode. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Was it Schrader or Schroeder? We talked about this before. Schrader. Bill Schrader? It's Schrader. I think it's Schrader. That's a very German sounding. So, yeah. Bill Schrader from UW Lacrosse. Yeah, homegrown. Thanks to Rana and the folks at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustom.com. And thank you to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. And I didn't tell you guys this, but our anchor ad is back and we're making money off of anchor again. So it's like three cents per episode. Right. Yeah. Welcome back, anchor. Right. What the fuck your problem was? I don't know why you dropped yeah. it in the first place. And you hear that? That's a quarter in the jar. Also for veterans outreach, VOWvillages.com. And I got to tell you this, Todd, and you too, Peter, because I know you're a big hip hop fan. So I get this text. Yes, you are. Stop shaking your head. <laughs> <laughs> so I get this text from somebody and she's like, hey, do you want to drive this dude around? It's being very vague. It's my assistant principal who hopefully is not listening to the show. And she's like, do you want to drive this dude around on Saturday for $200? I'm like, uh, does he want to drive around in a pickup truck full of tools and shit? Like, I don't think. Am I making stops along the way for deliveries or. Right. Like, what am I doing? She's like, well, he's playing at the at Miller Park AmFam Field where the Brewers play. So the Brewers have vanilla ice. Stretch from Naughty by Nature, and I think Rob Bass. It's like a 90s hip-hop night after, after the game is over. And who do I think of first? I'm like, I need to text Dwight to see if he wants to drive. Oh, so yeah. it's Tretch. So he's going to be driving. If this all works out, he's going to drive Tretch from Naughty by Nature around on Saturday, and just hang out with them. And then I think he gets to go backstage like during the concert. Get some uh, average cheese stickers plugged in there. Somewhere. Oh, absolutely. He will have an average cheese shirt on. If I, if oh, I nice. put this up for Dwight, he's wearing it. I'm going to give it to. Could you imagine if Tretch goes dope. up on stage with an average cheese t-shirt oh, on? <laughs> Holy shit. I'm sorry I'm yelling into the microphone. Oh, here. that would be dope. <laughs> that would be crazy. Oh, That's man. happening. I'm going to drop oh, those man. t-shirts yeah. off. Iron, iron that shit out. Please that shit let out. that happen. Get get that motherfucker to the cleaners right now. And get I've it, got a get million it, get t-shirts. Set up. Get it. He set can up. start throwing them out. <laughs> get it oversized. Get it pressed. Get it ready. Oh, it's gonna be. Get so it on him, man. Let's hope that happens. God, I will. I will strange. update you, both of you, friends, when I find out what happens for sure. Oh man, dude. Yes. That'd be sick. <laughs> That's awesome. Peter is speechless. He doesn't even know how to react to this because it's so crazy good. 
It's cool. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, man. What else? Oh, we have 1,209 Twitter followers, which is cool. And thanks again to Hound. I really like talking. Hound and I talk on Twitter via DMs all the time. Oh, that's right. I need to add that to the show, too. It's something that uh, Hound and I were talking about. I will add it into the slices here. Peter, it's nice to see you. And we are coming to the UK to see you. It's confirmed. But before we get to the slices. Oh, yeah. See, episode 84, Peter, continue with the Sterling Sharp episode. Sterling Sharp episode. But you know what? You reminded me. Bill Schrader. The thing that I always remember about Bill Schrader, he once had 999 yards receiving in a season. That's my useless piece of information about Bill Schrader, yeah. That's a good season, though. I mean, much as I just beat up on him. I do believe he had another 1,000-yard season as well on top of that. But it's the 999 that you remember. So Sterling Sharp, what can we say? You know, one of the one of the greatest wide receivers in in Packers history. Um, drafted in 19, 1988, seventh overall pick in the first round. Went right after Timmy Brown went to the Raiders, and it would have been interesting if Brown had still been on the board. Whether the Packers would have taken Timmy Brown, who of course went on to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver, kick returner for the Raiders. Uh, Notre Dame. But Sharp, what could we say? Nearly 600 pass receptions in a, in a career that was, you know, devastatingly cut short by that by that neck injury. You know, and broke the NFL record in consecutive years for catches, had 100 plus in two consecutive years, when 100 plus was really something. Very special performance. I think one of the things that we remember but kind of gets overlooked was how strong and tough Sharp was. So he could run all the, all the routes, didn't have out and out blazing speed, but was but was fast enough. But it was that strength and toughness, you know, turn those five yard receptions into 10 yards, into 15 yards, It'd make that key first down, you know, when he'd, when he'd be hit three yards short of the first down marker and he'd still get, still get the first down. And of course he was the bullseye for all of those defensive back units when he was playing as the number one receiver on receiving core that was not- Terry not- Mickens and- a well, bunch of guys even, you've even, never heard even of. before that. I mean, guys like Sanjay Beach and Ron yes. Lewis and guys like that. And of course, you know, he was lucky enough to play the last three years, 92 to 94 of his career with Brett Favre. But before that, he had the great year with Mikowski in 89. But we also have to remember that he was catching passes from Randy Wright, from Anthony Dilweg, from Blair Keel, from Mike Tomzak. You know, <laughs> it, it wasn't God. necessarily a Hall of Fame stretch of quarterbacks there that we're we're talking about and he was still putting up those numbers when nobody else on that team was putting up uh, putting up those numbers and certainly in the view of, of me should be in the pro football hall of fame we know the reason why he is he isn't because his career was cut short you know it was a seven seven year career but terrell davis had a six-year career as in, in the pro football hall of fame and sharp was truly a dominant receiver in his day right up there with with jerry rice just a great great player if I could chime in and, and give you my thoughts yeah. on what, what I remember about him, there's probably two things that stick out most prominently is number one, I, I think he was, I want to say like he was the premier wide receiver in the NFL who kind of like broke the mold of, you know, just being like a speedster and um, you know, uh, and being a good receiver. And like you mentioned, Peter, his strength. I mean, this dude was jacked during that time period. 
I mean, there was nobody else like him in the league who was that fit and that strong as a receiver. I mean, he really kind of broke the mold. And now you see that, you know, ever since him, you just see these guys that, that are just completely jacked, right, um, at the wide receiver position. I think he was monumental in breaking that mold. And the other thing, too, is the only other thing that I remember is the neck injury, right? I remember he had those um, he had those straps going from the upper part of his shoulder. His yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to his helmet so that his chin wouldn't, like, get, get like, slammed down anymore. I mean, that was kind of hard to see, and he, and he played with that. I've never seen – you know, anybody try to do that before in the NFL. So that or was since pretty, or since, I mean, most people would just be like, I'm out. He kind of endured the injury and yes, it did eventually cut short his career, but he, he did play with it. I think that's something to note. Just to add to that, it just reminded me of something. And in, in a couple of those other seasons, he didn't miss a game. He played throughout one year with turf toe and never practiced at all during the week and just came played on the Sundays and still put up record-breaking numbers. And I remember in another season, he had to play the whole season with a flak jacket because he broke his ribs in one of the early games and played the whole season like that. So that dude was tough, super, yeah. super tough. Receiver. Yeah, he no, never no. missed a game in his career. Considering, I mean, that's a big deal anyway, right? If you don't miss a game in your career, I don't care how long you play. You play four or five years. In yeah. 1992, he almost averaged 100 yards per game. He averaged 91 yards per game. Yeah, and when you put it into perspective of the era in which he played, so in, in, in that 1989 season, we all remember that, the magic year, Mikowski and all, and all of that. So Sterling Sharp led the league in receptions, in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. That was the first time that had been done since, in the NFL, not just for the Packers, in the NFL since Don Hudson. Holy you know, smokes, nearly half really? Nearly before. Dang. He was definitely one of the one of the players, if not the player, who drug us out of the 80s into yeah, back you know into what I the mean? Light. Who, who like completely turned things around. Yeah. Like he was that player. Pro football reference, you know how they compare it to players and they compare it over like three years, four years, five years, six years, so on. So he played seven years. Here's the guys that they compare him to. James Lofton, Hall of Famer. Roddy White, Calvin Johnson, Herman Moore, Steve Largent, AJ Green, Keyshawn Johnson. Of those guys, one, two, three of them are Hall of Famers. Herman Moore, I think, will be a Hall of Famer at some point. I'm not sure about AJ Green, but when you look at that, he's being compared on that level. So go back to what you said, Peter. Seven years, yes, but in those seven years, he was one of the greats. I have a, a question for you, Peter. Now, I know that that was the dink and dunk 90s, right, where there were a lot of short passes being thrown. So that does change the comparison. But who would he compare to, not just a Packer, but in the NFL? If you now. wanted to get a, get a type of receiver, because I'm not saying that this guy's on Sharp's level, but a type of receiver probably the closest would be a Debo Samuel because of the, bo- of the body, because of the, the mix speed and body type. Now, Samuel's probably a little bit bigger now, but if you just go back across the eras, he would be yeah. that that type of receiver. So I, so I would say a better version of, De, of, De, of Debo Samuel. Yeah, now, I can't think of one. That's why I asked yeah, you, I was, actually. Yeah. I was going to go Julio Jones almost. I guess I'm not comparing bodies, really. Just 
type of player. It just you know catch and like, run, just like the the strength, the the strength a- aspect. Okay. And the ball catching ability. I don't know. I just uh, that name just comes to mind for me. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting question because when Debo Samuel was coming out to be drafted three or four years ago, whenever that was, another guy over here who's a kind of a, a a draft guru and I talked about Debo Samuel and we likened him to Sterling Sharp. Okay. So I guess that was the obvious name that came to that came to my came to my mind. Just the type of the type of receiver that he Because this is a different offensive style, right? There was that whole Bill Wall style where it was short passes instead of running. You don't yeah, see that it, as much, so it's hard to compare. It would have been interesting, actually, if if Sharp had played for the 49ers in that offense, because because he would probably have put up even more, <laughs> even right. more oh, yeah. crazy numbers. Oh, yeah. According to the internets, he ran a 4-4-4-40, Sterling Sharp, which is faster than I thought. Actually, I thought it would have been more in the 4-5-4-6 range. He was always catching short passes, so it yeah. really, not always, but often he was catching short passes, so you didn't see that speed on display. Thank you for that. Sterling Sharp episode. Of course it is. I just like to mess with you guys. <laughs> Come up with the random Packers that wore 84. I did like Javon Walker, and that might have been one of my favorite Packer games of all time. The whole Brett Favre dad thing when him yep. and yep. When Walker and Favre. Yep. If we'd gone back to the 60s, it would have been Carol Dial. So we talk about shit numbers, but 84 is a great one. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty yeah. good numbers. Yeah. Very good. Nice to talk about that. All right, so let's move on with life. So we've already talked about the average cheese is going to the UK. We're very excited. Can't <laughs> wait to get over there. I have not been this excited in a long time. It's going to be insane. I, I can't wait till tickets go on sale. I mean, that's the only missing. We already have our flights. I mean, yeah. we're way ahead of schedule. Yes, we are like grown adults <laughs> we, doing we are, these things. Yeah. <laughs> Such a proud moment. Yeah. If my parents are still around, they'd be like, wow. I know the hell's going on they would yeah your dad would go uh-huh you know you you can't go and stick average cheese window clings on the aircraft right if they would stay on i would (laughs) on the way out there i'll have one on the inside but we could bet your life on stonehenge yes we're gonna stick one on the stone on the stonehenge of stonehenge and when I get struck down by lightning as I'm putting it on right. there, <laughs> at least I'll have wow. died in a historic place. Oh. <laughs> yeah, gotta get. We, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna come full full force into the UK. Average cheese is gonna finally unite. That's gonna be great. All three forces are gonna be present. Yeah, like Wonder Twin it's powers gonna be, activate. We're gonna put our rings yeah. together <laughs> for the yeah, first it's gonna time. Be, <laughs> we should just yeah yeah. It's going to be, my, my I'm going to have to do something. Keep you in line. I have to do yes. some type of, <laughs> if I did, if I attempted field goals at Lambeau, I, I've got to attempt some type of other physical feat within, in the parking lot. Yes, I will. I there will. is no parking lot. As far as I, I was trying to read up on I, it. I will run a 40 or something. In I, the I street? That's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's fine. You can do the I'll 40 meter dash myself. on the wrong side of the road in the street. Yes, I'll embarrass myself. It's okay. Maybe I'll maybe I'll run a forty at Stonehenge, <laughs> and just like compile everything into one thing. I love that, Peter. Any yeah. thoughts on what we've said? Because we're just talking shit right now. <laughs> I think he's gone. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> how. I'm wondering how the hell I get out of here. Yes, I am also worrying how how you're gonna do that. Because <laughs> it's gonna be your house. <laughs> you can't. Right. Oh yeah, it's gonna be spectacular. So I'm just saying this on the air, but I'm and we haven't talked about this. Whatever tickets cost, that's what we're fucking paying for them. Oh yeah, because we're yeah. going it again. Man. This is no money saving venture. No, no, no it's all in history. We're fucking going. Yeah. Yep. All right, I can't wait. It's going to be pretty chippy, too. You got New York fans. I mean, they're... There's going to be like huh? six New York fans. They're not going to have much... They're not going to have a gang of them. Like There's, there's going to be... I bet it's 90% Packer fans. More than that. I bet it's 95% Packer fans. I'm just saying. Like, they're pretty chippy. It ain't going to be the Meadowlands or whatever they call that shithole that they play in. Yeah. Us and a lot for no reason tonight. I'm just excited to come and see you, Peter. We're coming. Yep. Let's go. So, Todd, I you sort of put this in the notes. I'm phrasing it in my own words. The Saints draft greater than or Saints offseason greater than Packers offseason. The only thing I wanted to point out there is the moves that the Saints made moving up to get Olave and then waiting till after the draft is over and getting Jarvis Landry was the exact framework that I, I wanted the Packers to do. I was just like, shit. I don't know. They they have nobody to throw. They have nobody to throw them the ball. Jameis Winston was just signed. Who knows? Now there's rumors that Breeze is going to come back. I don't know. But they got everybody that I wanted. So kind of upset. Thoughts on that, Peter? Well, I guess it's a situation where the Packers are trying to do stuff in order, and they wanted to get the Jair extension done and see what numbers that at. Um, and, and, you know, and they're trying to hold a little bit back for this, for the season with, with regard to, they know they're going to have to make moves in the season when guys get injured and that kind of thing. So I think that they're kind of in that situation now where, you know, we're approaching June the 1st. So any cuts that they might make at June the 1st, kind of half the salary cap hit or dead cap hit. So that there may be guys on the roster now that, that, that put, potentially could still be in trouble and I think they would use that money to go after another wide receiver if there's one out there I've, I've seen three or four names floating around but I don't know I don't know now with the, with the draft they've made and, and the potential that there's there's seven receivers there that could make the roster I'm not sure that they'll sign one probably not I mean Jarvis I mean, Landry is a nice player I, I guess I guess what you have to get to what now he's off the board is are you just getting a guy or are you getting a guy who's better than what you've got? I guess is the, is the question. Yeah. Who's, who's you're just best. getting a guy. Yeah. That's what you're getting. And we talked about this. I mean, this. at this price point. Yeah, you are. Jameis Winston needs to be in the NFL for at least eight more years. I love his workout videos where there's like a big fat dude slapping at Jameis Winston while he's running around with his hands on the football. The guy's like slapping him with a turkey leg and stuff. It's like, his, his workouts are the best. He's just that's looking upfield at like some invisible man. It was funny when I like looked him up. I was like, "When is this dude is gonna be, be like phased out? Like, isn't he old?" And I was like, "Oh shit, he's twenty eight. I feel like he's been around for fucking ever, man." But I mean, dude is thrown for you know four thousand over four thousand yards two times and over five thousand once. He's definitely an NFL quarterback. No, I don't know. I just love his workout videos. I don't care if yeah. he's any good at football. <laughs> I really, I really don't. Rico. 
Yeah, Rico Suave Gafford is changing back. He's going back to being a corner. So, Peter, you're the draft guy. If you look back in your way back machine to Rico Gafford, is Rico Gafford going to make the roster even? I mean, what does this switch mean well, to him? I think, I think the switch to him it means that his best shot at making the roster is at corner. There's three guys we can forget talking about. We know they're making the roster for the Packers. Right? After that, there's some question marks. And, and, and they'll probably keep six, you know, definitely five, quite probably six. Yeah, so then you're into the, the Shamar John Charles, the Kevin King, the Cabian Entos. None of these guys, and you know, and that's just making an assumption that they try to resign Kevin King. They may or may not. But those guys, none of them are, are surefire things to make the roster. So I think, so I think he's definitely got a shot. And I would imagine with that speed, you know, they'd like to use him on on special teams coverage units. I say that speed. We haven't mentioned his speed, which is he ran supposedly an unofficial four two two in his pro day at Wyoming. It suggests that he's got a decent chance of making the roster because he's in competition with guys none of whom has got a great amount of on the field experience as a packer if nothing else this gives him the opportunity to develop and stay on the practice squad because now they're going to look at his speed they're going to see what he does in camp and if they see anything out of him they're gonna be like oh maybe we can develop him like a sam shields from back in the day and see what he can do I think it buys him time. I don't think he makes the roster. I think he's a practice squad guy right off, but he did play corner. So it's not like he's never done it before. He's got just a matter of getting his footwork back together and that kind of thing. And at that speed, I mean, wow, you you never know. That's a very fast defensive backfield. I think if you were a guy that was hoping to make Packers roster to sneak into that 53rd or 52nd spot, then corner's a good place to be trying to do that. And safety would be other good place to be trying to do that because lots of the other positions are deep with lots of guys. But those two, when you get to the fourth, fifth, sixth guy, there's certainly chances there. So I was looking at this headline and I swear to most websites or some websites and some Twitter guys and some media guys will beat up on the Packers when they don't really believe it because they know when they do this, Packer Nation is going to come back in full force with their craziness. What do you think the Packers' off-season grade is so far? We gave them a draft grade, and Peter will ask you about your draft grades in a minute. But taking all the Packers' stuff into consideration, free agency, Devontae Adams trade, the draft, all of those things. Todd, I'll ask you first. What would you give the Packers for a grade for all of it, knowing what you know today? Because we gave them a B. Didn't you and I both give them a B? I think overall, yeah. For, for a draft grade? like for a draft team? grade, yeah. So, so adding free agency, losing Adams, getting more. But then there's the signings, too. The Devontae yes. Campbell signings. Right. The, you know. You know, signing Alexander, signing um, Azul Douglas. Azul Douglas. I'm pretty pleased. I don't really see any major gaps. I would have to say, and I, I have to say an A. I mean, I, I don't really see, I, I don't really see any major negatives. I mean, I do I like Christian Watson? Yes. Did I like that we had to move up to get him? No. Did I like that we didn't? try to package everything up and like move up and get it like a, a for sure 
wide receiver. No, it kind of all worked out. And you're just, saying A overall. I, I'm I'm going to say an A. I'm going to say an A. Peter, what do you think? Overall grade. And I don't give those too often. No, you don't. I'm going to go for a, for a B. I think it's been a really nice off season. I just think there was one or two things that in an ideal world you wouldn't have had happen. You wouldn't have had Devontae Adams be traded. You wouldn't have had Zadarius Smith move on. Now, they couldn't be helped under the situations they were in. You would have found a way to have got a veteran receiver, one of the higher level veteran receivers. Other than that, they did some, as we said, you described you know, the, the nice things they did with Campbell and Douglas and extending Preston Smith and have just got the Jair Alexander extension done. So I think there's lots of things that offset the few negatives. So it's about a B, maybe a B plus, that kind of area for me. I would say B plus too. The one thing, and I've talked about it on previous shows, I would have liked to see them package guys and move up into the first round and get a receiver. Like you just said, Todd, yeah. in a perfect world, Jamison Williams or Olave, Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, that's the best draft in the NFL, in my opinion, if you have those three guys, because you did trade away a guy. Now, would you have got Quay Walker in the second round? I don't know. Maybe not. I would have liked to have seen it nonetheless. But the Packers locked up Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. season. They signed Devondre Campbell. They signed Razul Douglas. They extended Jair Alexander. Yes, we lost to Darius Smith, which is, I think, a loss. And you lost Devontae Adams, which you couldn't help. If he wanted to go play with the Raiders, he wanted to go play with the Raiders. Like, what are you going to do? You can beg him to stay. But if he gets to play with his buddy Carr in, in Las Vegas and go home, so to speak, even though they're not in the Bay Area, which is, I don't know, right. whatever. But it's his hometown that. team, right? If I was an NFL player and, and I was able to go back to play with the Packers, which is a team I rooted for my entire life, I would do it especially when I'm getting similar money. All that said, I think it's a B plus. The Bleacher Report grade is a C plus, which is exactly what I said before. It's fucking, it's a bullshit thing. It's, it's you wanting the Pack, Packer fans to come after you. So we efforted our friend Ken Engels to come on and talk to Jair contract, but he's a busy, busy man and he was not able to. So Peter, you are going to be our substitute teacher to Ken. We're going to talk... <laughs> Jair contract, highest paid defensive back in the NFL, four years, 84 million, which isn't actually the highest paid salary wise, $30 million guaranteed, if I am reading this correctly. Yeah, so the $30 million all in signing bonus. So there's a couple of interesting things there. So that $30 million is the highest signing bonus for a, for a defensive back. However, it's not the highest amount of guaranteed money that a defensive back's got. In fact, it's only about 12th, 13th. So just depending on how you want to look at this, you know, there's plenty of ways you could say this is the highest or it's not quite the highest. There's, there's loads of ways of looking at this. I think the thing to remember is that his cap number in 2010, 2022 on the deal that he was on was going to be about 13 million in round in round numbers. It's now 7 million. So they've saved 6 million in the cap just through this deal. The other thing to remember being a four year extension means that he's now got five years left on his contract so in fact he's got five years at 98 million which puts it below the, the 20 million a year if you want to look at it that way so there's lots of ways to look at it I think it's a really nice deal for the Packers I think with all of these deals I think one of the things you have to look at is how much of it is guaranteed and how long do the guarantees go for so there's nothing as far as we know 
certainly reported thus far, there are no guarantees beyond the first year, which means that heaven forbid, if the Packers wanted to get out of this deal later on in it, it really helps the dead cap. There's still dead cap in there, the signing bonus, but there's no future guarantees in there, which is always important when you look at look at these long deals. After this year, you know, the cap numbers are 20, 22, 23 and a half, 25 and a half. And I think in this day and age, with the cap going up, I think those are really reasonable numbers. So I think all round, it's clearly a, a nice deal for, for Jair to get the 30 million up front. But I also think it's a really nice deal for the for the Packers as well. And it's a it's a market that when the next guy's up, he's going to get 22 million a year average. And the next guy's going to get 23 million a year. So I just think, I think it's a really nice deal. And, you know, you're getting a player who hopefully is going to bounce back from the injury he had last year. It's a player who's not yet reached his prime and he's really good already. You know, just putting my historical hat on, I was trying to think of when was the last time the Packers drafted a corner at this kind of standard who turned out to be this good. The guy that I came up with was Tim Lewis back in the mid to early 80s. So another guy that unfortunately his career was ended with a yep. neck injury. Yep. Probably the best corner the Packers have had in very nearly 40 years. Yeah, there that, is that, no comparison, that, that, really. That, that, they've, that they've drafted, obviously. I'm not including Charles Woodson in that, but, yeah. but the Packers have drafted. So, so I think to get that guy on this kind of deal, I think is just, just fantastic. And it sets this team up another guy that you've potentially got for another five years beyond the potentially beyond the Aaron Rodgers era, meaning that you're not going to be in total rebuild mode when your Hall of Fame quarterback, if if your Hall of Fame quarterback plays, say, say just two years, you're not to be in complete rebuild mode. you have be in transition mode when he moves on. And I think that's important. I think when you look at a lot of contracts, when you look at their contract, you go, that's the year they're going to be cut or that's the year they're going to be restructured or dealt or whatever it might be. You look at this Alexander contract, and I think he plays out the duration of this contract because of the way the numbers are set up. They paid him up front, but they saved money. And then the numbers keep going down as he ages. It's perfect. It is the perfect scenario to watch Jair Alexander in a Packer uniform for this entire contract. And he'll be almost 30 years old when the contract is over. They can make a decision at that point. This is a great contract, like you said, for both the Packers and the man. And that's awesome, right? Because now you got a happy player who plays at a high level, who wants to stay in Green Bay, and the team will want him to stay in Green Bay. I think that's a huge win-win for everybody. So Hound and I, again, Hound 55, we love you. Southern Australia, listen to our Packer podcast. Hound and I have these discussions. Now, Hound is a Phoenix Suns fan from Australia. Yeah. And I am a Bucks fan because I live in Wisconsin. And we were talking NBA basketball, and I did not give you guys fair warning. And I'm sorry I always do this. But I won't ever stop. So here it goes. Chris Paul is a great NBA player. Chris Paul is, I think, one of the His teams have never won the big, they've never won an NBA championship as great as Chris Paul may be. Is there a a guy that plays another sport? I don't want to compare him to Aaron Rodgers, but you could compare him to Aaron Rodgers a bit, even though Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. Are there guys in other sports 
like Chris Paul, Aaron Rodgers, who are amazing, amazing players that just can't seem to win title. I will go back a ways. I thought Charles Barkley, who's now just known for his mouth and being a fat guy who can't golf, he was a great NBA player. I think he won one title with the Suns way back in the day. You know, the baseball equivalent, there's probably a lot of great baseball players because it's really difficult to win win World Series titles in baseball. Peter, I was thinking, and I, I don't know if you're a big soccer guy, I totally stereotyped you here. <laughs> from the uk i don't know anything about soccer so like david beckham he's known as a great player has his team won any titles yeah lots and well I, then I think, that's a fucking terrible example well, sorry and I, and, I, and, I, and I think and i think in yeah i mean i think in soccer because there's no salary cap of any kind the best players end up on the best teams and they end up winning titles so it's very difficult to think of one i mean lionel messi of barcelona and argentina been probably the best player along with Cristiano Ronaldo in the world for for a decade or so won lots of titles at the club level but Argentina have never won the World Cup while he's been playing for them so he's probably that example on a world level I was thinking of NFL guys you were talking and I couldn't immediately think of current guys but obviously there's the you know there's the Dan Marinos that never won a title Fran Tarkenton that never won a title Jim Kelly got to those four Super Bowls and never won a title Warren Moon. So there's quite a few of those NFL quarterbacks from that kind of 70s, 80s, 90s era that you'd think with that type of player. It, it would be quite, it, it'd, be, it'd be quite difficult to find a, somebody said, who's the best quarterback in the NFL now who's never won, who hasn't won a title? That would need some thinking about. I'd say Dan Marino and Chris Paul are on that same level of guy where Chris Paul has just done great things throughout many, many years. He's played, I don't know, he's played since 2005. Chris Paul has played in the NBA for, what, 17 seasons or whatever. He's a very good player, never gotten over the top. Dan Marino, I would say, is the equivalent to Chris Paul. And Hound, when you hear this, let me know what your thoughts are on... Who is the greatest to not win? I was absolutely fearing that you were going to ask me a basketball player. Basketball question. Oh, no. I was just asking in general. Unless the answer is Hakeem Olajuwon, I don't know. Oh, I love the Hakeem Olajuwon. Let's not get into that. <laughs> it's slightly unfair because Aaron Rodgers has won. Yeah, right. I mean, we're talking about people who have never won versus, you know, how, how do we compare him to somebody who has won? Everybody just has this thing about Aaron Rodgers and like they forget about like he he has won a Super Bowl. I mean he has. It's not a fair comparison to Rodgers, but there are some parallels to he has been Chris Paul, I don't know if he was ever the best player in the league. Like Aaron Rodgers has been the best player in the league multiple times. Now has Chris Paul won uh, MVPs in the NBA? I have no fucking idea because I don't follow the NBA that close. But I'm just saying Chris Paul is always going to be known for his teams could not get it done in the playoffs. I think I heard that he was going to retire, and I just think there are some parallels there. All right, Peter, you're on the spot now. We're going to talk draft, though, which you're the expert on, so this shouldn't be – you won't have to worry about trying to pick some NBA player out of a hat. Thank you for that. So, Peter, Todd and I have given grades on all these guys. Let's just start at the beginning. Even though we talked about Quay Walker and we talked about Devontae Wyatt on a previous episode – 
Do you want to give them grades or do you want to talk more about them? Or how do you want to do that? We'll just quickly run through these guys. I mean, so the pick of Walker surprised me. It's quite ironic to me that the Packers have gone all these years without picking an inside linebacker since in the first round since A.J. Hawk. And when we finally get an all-pro inside linebacker, we then go and pick one. It's just kind of <laughs> ironic. Whatever you think of that, it's kind of there's right. a certain, ir- certain right. irony in that. It's a pick that surprised me, although if you turned the two picks around and if Wyatt had gone at 22 and Walker had gone at 28, you could have, I probably could yeah. have made it made a little, little bit of sense. I guess what really made the Packers mind up was the fact that those six wide receivers were off the board before yeah. they picked. Completely. Um, and I think that was then a decision. Do you go with this guy or do you start reaching a little bit for this, for the seventh wide receiver, I guess was, was, would have been the question. So I understand the pick. It wouldn't necessarily have been the pick that I would have made. You know, what the heck do I know? So I understand the pick. The pick of Walker, if you want to grade it, is a B. The pick of Wyatt is a B plus. Okay. I think you're very similar to what we, we said. So I think that when they got to day two, this was a no-brainer, right? None of us wanted to give up those two second-round picks. We'd have loved to have had two second-round. But once they got to this point, they had no choice but to trade up to get a wide receiver because yeah. there was no way of knowing if any or who would have fallen to 53. Watson may have fallen to 45, for all we know, that kind of area, but nobody knows, and you just can't take that chance. This was a no-brainer pick for me, despite what they gave to get him. I think he's got a lot of work to do. You know, I think there's lots of athletic stuff you like about him, obviously speed, really fluid hips, really running stars fantastic coming from from where he did at north dakota state which is to be fair one of the best programs in the fcs you know that's the school that trey lance came out of that castle wentz came out of so they're used to getting pro level type players but still at the fcs level this pick for me is a b plus today on twitter and i don't know if you saw it or not there was somebody who went through and showed a bunch of clips in like a series i think i retweeted it the thing that excited me most, and I, I am with you on the hips thing. There were a couple plays where he lined up in the backfield and re- they handed him the ball out of the backfield and he is able to turn the corner. Remember Todd, how we would talk about MVS where he could run in a straight line and someone have to, would have to like turn him at a 90 yeah. degree angle for MVS yeah. to then run forward. The worst guy to have on the jet sweep was MVS. Christian Watson is not and that guy. Those hips stand out. Oh, good. It's, yes, it's they a, do. They really do. Yeah. For a guy that's that tall and yeah. long, yeah. you're not used to seeing a guy that can can turn. I want to say on a dime because that's not yeah. fair. It's not what he is. But he's a six foot four receiver that has some bend to him. Yeah, but more athletic fact, than MBS. Oh God, yes. Yeah, and, and that close. and that that bit of his game, and this is a really unfair comparison, right? But that bit of his game reminds you of James Lofton. Yes. Oh yeah. Athlete, you know, Absolutely kind of, does. Yeah, that's true. Know. Another um, thing that I liked yeah. out of that whole thread was they showed a bunch of clips of him blocking. Now it might've been a highlight video of him blocking. I don't know if it was representative of his body of work, but Christian Watson will put his hands on you. Yep. There were a couple of plays uh, that I, they kept showing. us like, this dude isn't afraid to put his hands on guys and run them off the field. I love that. Love that. Those are my favorite ones. Not the, Going long and burning the safety. It was him blocking in the run game. Super cool. So Sean Ryan almost certainly is going to play guard for the Packers. So he's so spent most of his career at, at left tackle. He's actually got 
the length in terms of height, arms are slightly short, he is going to play guard. And I, I would expect him to challenge very strongly and if not win the, the right guard job in camp. That's, oh, that's, wow. what, I, that's what I expect of Wow. Now, now there's going to be a heck of a competition at all the offensive line spots, probably other than left tackle, assuming Bakhtiari is back and fit and ready to go. There's going to be a heck of a battle across all of those offensive line spots. But I expect this guy to win that right guard spot. Wow. What does he do better than Royce Newman right now? I think that he's stronger than Newman, and I think he moves better than Newman does. Okay. With the outside zone that the Packers run a lot of, I think he's ideal for that. Still a guy that can do a job at tackle for you in a limited number of games. I just don't think you'd want him out there on an island at left tackle on a permanent basis. This is another B-plus pick for me. Big body and short arms, T-Rex guy. So we'll, we'll call him T-Rex. T-Rex. Fourth round pick, Romeo Dobbs. Lots of talk about this guy in the, uh, in the I, rookie I, camp. You know, I really like this pick. I mean, it looks like they got him one pick too early for me since he was 133rd on our, on our guide and they picked him 132nd. But I really like this guy. And I actually think that he's more likely to make an initial impression than, than Christian Watson is. More ready to come in and play. Because, you know, he caught 200, I think it's off the top of my head, it's like 225 balls in, in college, catching them from, from Carson Strong who surprisingly wasn't drafted, but that's a completely different story. So he's one of those guys that catches a lot of balls, runs good routes, and I think quite pro-ready. I think he's ready to come in and contribute on day one. So he's a guy that I I think he's going to catch 40 balls in his rookie season, that, that kind of number. Does he move ahead of Amari Rogers? I think he does, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I think, so I think unless Amari Rogers really shows something in, I think Rogers is way down the depth chart because I think Amari Rogers so is behind Randall Cobb on the depth chart. I think that, yep. that then you've got Lazard, you've got yep. Dob, I agree. Watson. So I, I think Amari Rogers is down there at sixth or seventh on the, on the, on the depth chart. Okay. Terms of grade for this pick, it's probably a B. It's interesting you say that because, Peter, on another show, I said I think Romeo Dobbs will have, especially in the beginning of the season, will get more run than Christian Watson, and it's exactly what you said. He's played a lot of football. Yep. He's yep. more NFL-ready right now and probably will be in week one than Christian yep. Watson. Now, by yep. the end of the season, you hope that Watson has shown that, yeah. that ability. You know, with Watson, you're seeing that huge huge potential that huge upside in year two in year three etc yeah zach tom oh goodness tom played at center two three years ago at wake forest right and i and i i think he's better at center than he is at tackle and he was good at tackle this is an a minus pick for me i think this is a great pick and i think that all of us that looked at at this guy probably mistakenly almost knocked him down because of his versatility so the versatility is a great thing, but it also meant that, that, that we weren't quite sure whether we were looking at a guy that was going to play tackle, was going to play center, was going to play guard. And I think that because of that, he probably got knocked further down kind of big boards than he, than he, should, than he should have done. Despite the fact that he played tackle for the last two years at Wake Forest, I think he absolutely moves inside. 6'4", 305. You're looking at a guard or a center at that size. I think, I think he challenges for the starting center spot. I think he. Uh, Holy I think he. Pushes, I think he pu- so I think he pushes Myers really hard. Now, I, I don't think he wins the starting center spot because I think it's Myers' job to lose. But we have to remember that Myers only played half of his rookie season, 
We don't know what his injury position is either. I think Tom will challenge for the starting centre spot. And if and when he doesn't win that, it's going to charge. It's going to challenge for either of the guard positions as well. I think this is a super, super, super player. The offensive line competition in training camp is going to be unbelievable. Because other than the left tackle spot, with Elton Jenkins still waiting to come back maybe mid-season or wherever, all of those other spots are potentially up. up. I expect Nyman to win the, the right tackle spot. But I tell you what, all of those spots are potentially up for grabs here. Todd and I talked about this. Like, why would you draft a center after just drafting a center? But if this guy can play all over the place, yeah. then you didn't draft them to play center. We talked about, Todd, on the last episode, how the Packers are drafting all these Raz guys, like these high Raz guys. And Peter and I just, just kind of went back and forth on whether it's important or not. This kid, young man, this young man, Zach Tom, was a 10.0 Raz score as a center. Jeez. that's it that's number one like that's as high as it gets i want to say right. it was like a 9.6 at left tackle but a 10 that's get him on the field i mean somehow you put him on the field I mean, Todd, that's 100 yeah. percent right i mean yeah you put him wherever he's gonna play yep. if he's that I mean, good right even if it's just for eight games while you know jenkins comes back it's back. almost like a, not sure what to do he's on the 53 I mean, oh, 100%, right? 100% I mean, he makes like, it. Just get him in. He won't, yeah. he wouldn't last three seconds on the practice squad. He'd be snatched off there fast. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and the other interesting thing about having a guy like this is it gives you the potential, if you show so choose, not to carry as many offensive linemen on the game day roster. True. Because this guy can cover every position. I didn't think of that. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you look at that in, Interior line, and even with Jenkins injured, you look at you know you look at Runyon, you look at Myers, you look at Newman. Now you look at Zach Tom, you look at Sean Ryan in there. You think, oh my goodness, that competition for those spots is is going to be enormous. It's going to be great fun to see. Yeah, it's great fun to see. You know, like like you mentioned, like the absolute competition for those spots. If I'm a young guy and I'm I'm coming to the Packers. With Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, I mean, it's the stakes couldn't be higher of performing at the highest level. Yes, he was drafted 138th or whatever, but I mean, my gosh, he's going to play out of his mind. That's Completely awesome. out of his mind. Yeah. It's not like he's playing for Jacksonville. Round five. Packers traded down in round five and still got Enigbar, who was, who was still on the when they picked. To this day, I've not seen anybody come out and say that he was injured or there was a character concern or whatever. Nobody's come out, to my knowledge, with an explanation as to why he, why he fell. This is an A pick for me, simply because of the value that you're getting for, for this guy. They needed an edge player. For me, one of the, you know, should have been a second stroke third round pick. Best edge player left on the board by a long way at the point that they picked. You needed that guy. What else can you say about him? Yes, he has. They all have flaws. It's just, even now, it's inconceivable to me how he dropped all the way down to the fifth round. Really nice play. For, for me, you've got a second stroke, third round pick right at the end of the fifth round. I mean, what more could you want? Tariq Carpenter. So this is an interesting guy. So, so 6'3", 230, that kind of size. 
I saw they moved him to linebacker. Right, yeah. and uh, and yeah. and that was always on the cards because because of, because of his size, you know, and and he could be that guy who plays that Raven Green type role that we saw a couple of years ago, the kind of hybrid safety linebacker. This stage of the draft, the the one thing I like about the pick, I don't have the number in front of me, but his speed was less than four four, four three something or other. So it's a really fast, really fast guy at that size. Me says they've picked a special teams guy. They've picked a coverage guy to play on kickoff and punt and punt returns. So that's the thing I like about this pick. It's a B minus pick. I did see that they gave him Raven Green's number. Did they? 24. I don't know if that also cements his chance <laughs> of being the slash guy. I don't understand he, a he guy be, this uh, big and athletic going in the seventh round. And we will talk about Rasheed Walker and, and Jonathan Ford and all these guys. Is it sometimes looks like Tarzan plays like Jane? I'm not supposed to say stuff like that, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, is does he not play up to his physical traits? Well, we had the worst special teams in the NFL. So, yeah, he just upgraded let's, that let's, already. Let's take that into consideration. We're, so Peter, we're, build, we're, we're building that squad as well. Peter gave him the lowest grade of all three of us, which means you and I are both wrong, probably. Oh. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> first, that's the first I, time. At the end of the day, I guess my struggle more with the pick is I would have liked them to have taken an out and out safety because I think that's a position of need. But I understand the pick if they're picking him as a dominantly a special teams coverage guy who's going to do a bit of bit of a job here and there on on defense. That that I can, I can I can work with. Jonathan Ford, defensive tackle, yeah. Miami. This is a difficult one for me because I, because I think that he's an out-and-out out nose tackle guy, which to me puts him in direct competition with TJ Slayton, who they drafted last year in, what was it, about round five they picked mm-hmm. him in last, last year's draft. TJ Slayton, I guess, flashed a bit here and there. And we have to remember he was a fifth-round pick, so I think we had some high hopes for him, and maybe he'll get, you know, improve in the second year and third year. This guy is direct competition for TJ Slayton. So I'd imagine either only one of those two makes makes the final roster I would I would have imagined now Ford is your typical big 300 plus 300 and a lot pound run stuffer hole plugger that doesn't move so I likened him to if you if you see the quarterback in your picture you don't see Ford in the same picture as the quarterback that's not the job that he's employed to do the other interesting thing about this guy and this is kind of I don't know whether this is a skill or luck he forces a lot of fumbles so he's, he's one of those guys where he's stuck at the line, you know, trying to plug in these holes as a zero technique nose tackle or one technique nose tackle. And as the runner's going by him, all of a sudden his arm or his hand comes out of nowhere and the ball's on the floor. And it's one of those things that you don't know whether it's skill, you don't know whether it's luck, but it's a nice thing. It's a nice thing to have. It's probably a C grade for me. I think they already have that player on the roster in TJ Slayton. So I guess that that's, I think he's a you know a nice pick where where they where they picked him. I don't have any issue with that particularly, but I just think he's a guy that that they already they already have. Great and line. last pick, Rashid Humper Walker. <laughs> Why um, is it Humper? Remember, he's the helmet humper. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> he's a helmet humper. <sighs> oh yeah. my god. That's only been a week. How do you forget that? I know. Right? I, I was like Humper. <laughs> I was like. Where are you going with that? All right, I got it. 
<laughs> Sorry, Peter. So this is a this is a B plus for me on the basis that um <laughs> Daddy Hump the Helmet. Daddy Hump the Helmet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not. It's not gonna. It's not gonna oh. go anywhere up from here. <laughs> There's no trying. chance. I was. Yeah. I was trying not to look at you too yeah. much. Yeah, that's <laughs> not. There's not a chance. <laughs> that was lost it. So, yeah. so, uh, sorry. Uh, continue. B plus from you. Why is it a B plus, Peter? Mm. Got nothing. To, right. It, it, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a. It's a. It's a B plus because I thought he would be off the board in about the fourth or fifth round. Right. So, oh, wow. so, so similar to Enig Bar earlier, nothing has come out to my knowledge that's explained why he's fallen, why he fell that far in the draft. You know, there's no unknown injury as far as we know. There's no character concerns. You know, multi-year starter at left tackle. He's another guy that could move inside. And on that basis, I think that he gives them coverage at cover at, at tackle and at guard. You've got versatility there as well. And I think he's a better player than going late in the seventh, late in the seventh round. A lot better player than that. B plus for me is about. When I was talking about it last week, Peter, they said the Ohio State guys burned his edges. The, the reason I think that's interesting is, they, are they judging this man's career off of one game? Because that's what it sounds like. Now, they, I mean, I'm sure they're using it as an example. But unless he has been getting beat around the edge consistently in college, I think it's interesting that they put that in his draft profile. I think you have to be careful when you look at guys where you get something fixated in your mind and then you find a reason for why you've put him in that particular particular place. Shit, we because do that you, all the time. Because you'd never say, you turn that round the other way and you look at Kayvon Thibodeau, right, who was in top five pick draft, superb pass rusher, but wasn't dominant in every game that you play. But nobody's nobody's turning around and saying, well, he shouldn't have gone in the top five because he wasn't great in this game and he wasn't great in that game and he wasn't great in that game. Yeah, I, I think you just have to be a little bit a little bit careful about that. I think he's a better player than where it, than where he was drafted. And I and I think that for me overall, this is a draft where the Packers it started strangely for me on that first day, as we've talked about on a number of occasions, but it's a draft that overall just got better and better and better and when you look at it in totality i think it's a really really nice draft as a as a class it's good a draft class as the packers have had in a long long time i would suggest hmm. so let's finish agree. it off yeah, yeah we one may more be, guy we may be sitting here a year from now saying well, that draft class was terrible on paper it looks really good to me there's one guy left Samari yeah, Toure, wide receiver, Nebraska. Oh, if you look at it now, he's the he's the seventh wide receiver on the roster. I would I would imagine Malik Taylor might argue about that, but he's but he's probably the seventh. He's got a shot at making the roster because a little bit like Dobbs earlier, he was pretty productive in college, albeit most of his college career was at Montana. He played his senior year at at Nebraska. He almost didn't miss a beat, even though he went from if you like a smaller in inverted commas, FBS school in Montana to, to, to Nebraska, but really didn't miss a beat at Nebraska. It was a deep threat, lots of speed. I think he averaged 
5 or 19.7 yards a catch in his senior year at the Cornhusker. So I think that I think it's a really nice pick all the way down there. I think he has a shot at making the outside shot at making the roster, depending on what happens above him. Certainly would good as a special teams guy, coverages and probably returning kicks and punts if they want to use him in that in that role. You suspect he probably ends up on the on the practice squad if waivers. He looks like that type of guy. But again, it's 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 a nice pick that far down the draft. Grade C plus. Any other thoughts before we call it a show? Now, do I have to give the grade the, the draft itself an overall grade? Yes, oh, you yeah. do. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes, you do. Dun, 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 dun. Do you want me to go through what you gave the individual grades and so you Drum get like roll, a GP, GPA? <laughs> Great point it's average. A, <laughs> we could probably work it out, but I, I'm going to go for as a draft. I think it's a B plus. Uh, I think so. I think we gave him a B. Actually, we were not quite as high. So Peter gave Rashid Walker a B plus. I gave him a C. You gave him a B. Well, if you look at the individual grades, it's probably we're probably in the B plus range. Actually, I don't have them on here, but I remember we a lot. We gave a lot of Bs in our individual grade and that just feels about right that just absolutely feels about right as you look at this there's a case for making all of those all of those picks one or two of them you question you know we certainly question perhaps the order early but I I think overall and I think that's the way you have to look at a draft class is in a class of 11 realistic normally in terms of a class of 11 that you get three long-term starters out of a class of 11 probably that kind of number not many. And you can immediately look at this draft and you, you say, if I took one, two, three, four, five, I can, see, I can see six guys, the first six, that have got chances to be long-term starters. And certainly five of those first six, I would say, have got good chances to be long-term starters. And you don't look at this draft and go, what is that pick for? I was on a Bears podcast the other day, and I like those guys from NFL Outdated. Like there's they're going through their draft picks. I'm like, what in the fuck is this? Why are they picking these guys? Like, I didn't understand the Bears draft at all. I I was trying to be nice, but they don't have a very good draft class. Are they trying to just like depth of talent? That's what I felt the Bears did. When I look at this Packers draft, I think, wow, there isn't a huge hole. You don't go, wow, that was a real bad pick right there. Where I think the Bears had some of those. Yeah, and that absolutely stands out from that, that Packer class. And that's a good way of looking at it. There isn't a guy where you could say, I do not understand why they've taken that guy. Even if you don't agree with it or wouldn't have been the guy that you had taken, you can understand the logic in each of those picks. Each one of those guys is going to potentially add something to the Packers this year. Todd, any final thoughts before we go? No, I mean, I just, you know, there was a couple flaws in the draft that I felt like, I don't know, maybe made things better but all in all i'm i'm pretty happy with everything which is rare more than i can say from previous years yeah <laughs> it'll be an episode to delete in a year's time then when no 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 we own our mistakes here yeah. i'm still not high on on rashawn gary i'm not i think i have to do a new not to eat the oh. future challenge but uh, there's got to be a new something some type of new challenge yes the new any any listeners want me to do something for a new Rashawn gary challenge and the challenge has got to be you know double digit sacks 
email us at <laughs> avgcheese at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter and tell us what you want Todd's next Rashawn Gary challenge to be. But I already, you know, I put up the paper. Didn't happen. I mean, come on. You can't be eating paper. No. Something new. I would have. I know. I'm so disappointed. Uh, Let's not go back into that. Let's not revert. Yeah. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 84 of the Average Cheese Podcast. The Sterling Sharp episode. Go back up. Go back up.